0: It's a crime. This information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Hey, time for another episode of the steroids podcast. The first thing I wanted to say was that there's a pretty big myth in steroid use that liver damage is what you've really got to be looking out for. This is not true the main thing that you can hurt yourself with is your cardiovascular system and your kidneys. So the liver is very self-healing. Even with people that are major alcoholics, if they will just stop drinking alcohol, their livers will heal. So it's the same thing if you are someone who fucked up your liver with steroid use which is really uncommon you know and i do see hundreds of your guys's blood work when i'm working with you guys doing consults or whatever and yeah some of you do have a little bit of elevated liver enzymes but almost no one ever has hugely elevated liver enzymes and i'll tell you first thing the When you do weight training, it doesn't matter if you're on steroids or not. When you do weight training, if you do it at all, your liver enzymes go up. You know, you feel sore afterwards, after a training session, and you wonder what that is. Well, that's waste products, toxins that you've produced through your workout waste products, and your liver has to neutralize those, and so that is stressful any athlete that is exercising in a very intense manner is going to have elevated liver enzymes to some degree. It's, it's usually just above the normal range on some of the liver enzymes. Sometimes it can be a little bit more. Sometimes they're in the normal range, but that would actually be more like uncommon. Um, any competent doctor that knows about athletes, not just... Normal persons, what they learned about in medical school already know this. Okay, so doctors are very specialized only to what they know and what they learned in medical school. That's why they're always sending you to specialists. You know, it's like, it's not like your general practitioner just knows about shit. He's, he's always offloading it to the next guy, sending you to a specialist. It's because he doesn't fucking know about anything except for what he was specifically trained to do. Um, When it comes to athletes, uh, if you're like wanting them to interpret your blood work correctly, it would be very wise to have a sports doctor interpret your blood work. uh, Since you are somebody who is engaging in very intense exercise. Um, So, so that's the first thing with, with the, with the liver. Okay. Um, and I, I wanted to repeat that, that, you know, out of hundreds of you guys that I see your blood work, that having the, um, having the liver enzymes, uh, being like way out of range, way out of range, that's almost unheard of, almost unheard of. Okay. Um, but you know when when you i've said the comparison of steroid use to smoking cigarettes before and that's a pretty good comparison to what it's doing to you if you are using stuff other than testosterone growth hormone metformin insulin proviron um if you are using hormones that are not natural hormones, you, and, and you know, you could say, actually you could add deca, primobulin, and equipoise to that too, okay? In, in acceptable hormones um, that aren't having a smoker's effect on you, okay? But if, if you're, so it's testosterone, uh, deca, primobulin, equipoise, growth hormone, insulin, um, proviron and you can say metformin too. Um, if you're using hormones other than that, when you're using them, you are doing a similar thing to your cardiovascular system as smoking does. Um, your cholesterol is basically horrible. Um, your, your lipids are, are off. Um, you, you, Probably have high blood pressure. Not everyone has high blood pressure. That's a very genetic thing, but a lot do. Out of the bodybuilders that I see, you know, I have a huge sample size um, that that I I'm working with on a normal basis because I'm seeing is what I do for my for making my income is helping people. Um, okay, so be aware that the. Main things that are happening when you're using oral steroids, Tranbolone, um, et cetera, is that you're hurting your cardiovascular system. Um, Also, being huge also hurts your cardiovascular system uh, in general. That, you know, if you're as heavy as a fat person, but it's muscle, that doesn't mean that your body is not um, under a lot of strain because you know, your lungs and your heart didn't grow in, or they weren't born. I mean, they may have grown a bit, but they can only grow so much and they weren't born to handle a massive body. Say you started at 150 pounds before you started working out. All right. That's what your organs were basically, uh, born to handle. Well, what, are, you, are you 220 pounds now? Are you 250 pounds now? Well, your organs are under a lot of stress because of that. Um, there, there's no way around that. So all sports activities that you do have an inherent amount of risk to them. Um, for example, every time you go to the gym, you're risking tearing one of your muscles off the bone. Um, every time somebody uh, goes jet skiing they're risking drowning and dying every time a football player uh plays he's risking breaking his neck and being paralyzed um almost any type of sport that you have you are taking risks and that's normal and you shouldn't be like trying to take no risks in your life because you're you're a pussy uh you, you should do what you want to do, but you should try to mitigate them. Okay. That's, that's why we talk about these kind of side effects sometimes. Anyways, I wanted to, to not, that's enough with the cardiovascular side effects. Okay. I think you understand. I think you understand. Um, the next thing that we have to get to is the kidney and the kidney is very susceptible to blood pressure damage. Okay. Uh, I said earlier that people, it's pretty genetic whether or not you have high blood pressure. Um, but if you do have at all high blood pressure before you start steroids or like almost having high blood pressure, once you start steroids, your blood pressure is going to go way up. Uh, and, and as you get big too, it's going to keep on going up. Um, and high blood pressure, uh, it, so it does slowly over the years destroy your cardiovascular system as well. Um, But it also destroys your kidneys and healing your kidneys is a lot more difficult or you could even say impossible than healing your liver, for example. Liver, very regenerative. Kidneys, regeneration capabilities are very limited. Um, There's little tubules inside your kidneys They're very fragile. And when the blood pressure is high, um, they explode. And they generally do not repair much at all. Uh, So you need to take care of your kidneys. Um, Using oral steroids, using Trenbolone, um, and having high blood pressure, with high blood pressure being the number one. suspect here is going to create a toll on your kidneys if there's any one thing you can do to protect yourself and to limit your risks when you're using steroids it's to keep your blood pressure under control so you need to have it in the normal range or very close to it and you should do, in my opinion, whatever it takes in order to maintain that, including taking medicine, blood pressure medication. Some people take Cialis, which is slightly effective. It can make a very small difference in blood pressure, but taking real blood pressure medications, like for example, Telmisartan, is a really good one. Uh, I personally take Telmisartan 80 milligrams per day. Um, for blood pressure, and it's very important for me to take that. Um, You know, you're going to hurt yourself if you maintain high blood pressure for long periods of time. Um, If you want to do one thing to limit your risk when using steroids, it would be to maintain a healthy normal range blood pressure while you do it all right enough of that shitty stuff that makes you think uh (laughs) it makes you think oh fuck because this is the the attitude you know i know you're not gonna like stop using steroids or something and i know that you're not gonna like you know make your dosages go to like nothing or something we know that that doesn't even work for bodybuilding so it i know that when some of you guys hear that It probably makes you feel a little bit sick inside because I know that there are some guys of you out there who, you know, this isn't actually that uncommon is you've decided what you're going to do and you are going to accept whatever consequences happen and you're not going to stop doing your cycles the way that you're doing them. Um, And so because of that, and you probably know that like your blood work and everything is bad you, you're not even going to check your blood work because the only thing that that's going to do is cause you a shitload of stress. <laughs> and, so, and so like talking about this shit just like makes you feel sick. Okay. I understand the psychology of bodybuilding. All right. I went to a, I went, I went to a shitty, I went to a shitty university of California and and got a got a psychology degree. That's part of why I understand you. Uh, you know, they they tried to brainwash me with a lot of shit. With a lot of shit. They tried to turn me into one of their liberal whores, one of their globalist whores. But but I, I resisted. I have I have a more powerful brain than them. Alright. Let's get on to the first question of the day. Hi, Dan. Question. This is Chris. If I am prescribed 175 micrograms of T4, inactive thyroid hormone, uh, T4 thyroxine, inactive thyroid hormone, converts in the body as needed to T3 active thyroid hormone. It's very common for people with hypothyroidism to have that, to be prescribed that um, by his doctor to get into the normal range because he has hypothyroidism. Would this negatively affect his steroid cycle? Currently taking 750 milligrams testosterone enanthate, 250 milligrams DECA per week, and 30 milligrams D-ball per day. I'm worried about losing the cycle's effectiveness. It's a good question, because T3, taking it, if you take T3, it has a catabolic effect, and anyone who gets on T3 which is active thyroid hormone, very strong uh, will notice that their steroids don't work as good anymore uh, because the T3 is overpowering them. And I'm talking even if you're using Trenbolone, just taking the tiny T3 tablet will decrease its effectiveness. Uh, But T4 is very mild. It's very well tolerated and it's not catabolic. And let me tell you why. Uh, We've talked about this with the the reason why T4 is good when using growth hormone before. And the reason why is when T4 converts to T3, that conversion process is anabolic. So T4 is not anabolic. T3 is not anabolic. The conversion of T4 to T3 is anabolic. And it has to do with the upregulation of the production of these things in the liver called deiodinases, which are enzymes that make you, they upregulate, the effect that they have is they upregulate your response to training, to growth hormone, natural or injected um, protein synthesis. Uh, And and so because of that conversion process, when you take T4, um, it balances it out. You won't notice a drop in strength uh, going on T4 if you're not taking T4 and all of a sudden you start taking, for example, 200 micrograms of T4 per day. You'll notice that your metabolism gets a bit faster, but you will not notice like, Oh, I'm weaker now because I'm taking this tablet the way that you will if you take T3. Okay, so T4 It's not going to be a problem when you're using steroids Uh, T3 I believe bodybuilders should not use T3. Uh, it could have its uses for somebody who's in a jam and they're trying to get ready for a competition and they can't lose weight fast enough even if they're completely starving themselves and they take T3 in order to just you know, redline themselves. You're, that could be a use for it. But otherwise, bodybuilders should use T4. Uh, it's called L-thyroxine. Uh, Dosages for bodybuilding generally are between 2 to 400 micrograms per day for L-thyroxine, T4 thyroid hormone. And the combination of of T4 thyroxine with growth hormone is a very good combination. All right, let's get on to the next question. Uh, This one's from Callum. Hey, man, I'm currently on week four of my first steroid cycle, running testinanthate 600 milligrams per week for 12 weeks. I'm also going to start Anadrol. My question is, should I start taking it now, doing 50 milligrams per day for eight weeks, or wait and do four weeks of 100 milligrams per day? Which do you think would get better results? Thanks. Love the podcast. Has helped me out a ton. I believe that the longer duration is ultimately going to give you the better results. A hundred milligrams of Anadrol per day is the best dosage of Anadrol. Um, When Anadrol was prescribed to bodybuilders freely in the 1970s, in the 1980s, I have read the Doctors books who used to take care of and prescribe the bodybuilders the information back then and the starting dosage for anadrol was 100 milligrams per day for those guys Also on the package insert for anadrol. It also says for children um, Prescribed it for anemia 100 milligrams per day should be the starting dosage. So it absolutely works for bodybuilding at 50 milligrams per day. Don't get me wrong but there's definitely double the effect from taking a hundred milligrams per day. So there is no diminishing returns at that dosage. When you start increasing the anadrol dosage beyond a hundred, I'd say 150 milligrams per day, there does become diminishing returns mostly because it's causing problems with your organs ability to do protein synthesis. It it is increasing protein synthesis, but it's decreasing organ function, which then has a balancing effect. Um, you know, when, when you abuse any kind of, of steroid, uh, hardcore over the long term, that happens. Um, any kind of toxic steroid is what I'm talking about. So that's the reason why stuff like testosterone does not have diminishing returns on the dosages. You keep on putting it up. It's not a toxic substance. Um, But then you will get these other steroids that, you know, they they won't have really diminishing returns at the beginning. But then as time goes on and your organ function decreases more and more and more, the increased dosages will pretty much have diminishing returns with toxic anabolics that must be stressed. Not with testosterone, not with DECA, not with equipoise not with primobolin, you know, we're talking about toxic anabolics. Um, And and it's something where the health of the bodybuilder is the reason why. It's not because, oh, well, the steroids stop working when you take more. It's because the bodybuilder's health and organ function is going down. And somebody with a lower health and organ function is not able to build muscle the way that somebody with 100% organ function can build muscle. All right. Um, so when you, I do recommend a hundred milligrams per day for the Anadrol as the best dosage, but you know, you're saying four weeks at a hundred milligrams per day versus eight weeks at 50 milligrams per day, eight weeks, man. Because when you take steroids, um, you know, you got to take steroids, uh, a lot, like most of the time if you want to be a bodybuilder for one thing, um, and, and you've got to take them for a enough of a period of time that the gains set in. H- can people grow, you know, large quantities of actual tissue in four weeks? Not really. You can get the ball rolling. You can build up a lot of fuel storage and be like building up the strength, which then is building up the tissue. Um, but in order to solidify those gains and make them actual tissue that you can, like, hold from cycle to cycle and keep on going up over time, Um, not just going up and then taking the drugs out, going back down, and then putting the drugs back in, going up, and then going back to where you were before. You've got to be on them for a certain amount of time, you know, eight weeks, two months, 12 weeks, three months. Come on, get real. It's got to be a, a, a sufficient amount of time to actually build tissue. Otherwise, you're just Filling yourself up with fuel storage, getting a little bit of gains, and, and you know, then pissing it out. So, yeah, I would say the uh, lower dosage for 8 weeks, but 100 milligrams per day for 6 to 8 weeks would definitely be uh, better. Um, and just for your information, the minimum cycle length for children on Anadrol for anemia is three months straight, okay? Just for your information. Next question is from Big Chungus. Just started listening to the podcast after hearing about it from D-Tren on TikTok. Binged through all 47 episodes in a little over a month and love it. Going to listen to them again. Appreciate the honesty and experience. Question is, as a 23-year-old male with low test... I am considering going on TRT. I do plan on having kids in the next three to four years or so. Would TRT have any chance on making me infertile for life? Or is it very unlikely I become permanently infertile after TRT? Thanks in advance, Dan. Well, this all goes back to um, female birth control and, and its effects on fertility, okay? So, female hormones good, male hormones bad. This is propaganda and what is birth control pills? What is birth control shots? They are estrogen or estrogen and progesterone mixes. They're steroids. That's what they give them. They give them steroids to make them infertile and then they go off steroids and they become fertile again. Sometimes that takes the women, you know, a few weeks or uh, a few months after coming off to become fertile again. Uh, other times it can be very quickly or uh, sometimes they can even become pregnant on birth control. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. Some people get their their wife pregnant while they're taking steroids. Some people, um, you know, it takes a few months after coming off cycle or doing um, and you know they can come off cycle even without a pct and then other people you know will need fertility drugs you know basically to ever become fertile again because they have um like transient hypogonadism or you know they need a jump start and you know you see women going to fertility infertility clinics you know uh And then they give them what do they give them at the infertility clinics to make them fertile again they give them clomid they give them nolvidex and they give them hcg they give them a pct that's because women using steroids for birth control and men using steroids for bodybuilding you're doing the exact same thing except men are using them for building their muscle women are and you know infertility temporarily is a side effect and women are using them specifically to become infertile but There's, you know, if there's any woman who is taking birth control, she is taking steroids and there is no that it's not a discussion. It's not an argument or like, no, she isn't taking steroids. No, she's taking steroids. She's taking female steroids for bodybuilding. You're taking male steroids, Um, you you know, and especially in order to get fertile in the most rapid way possible. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna use fertility drugs. That's why you do a PCT. Um, that, that, you know, if if you want to keep on taking steroids, though, doing this thing where where you uh, take steroids, and then go off steroids and do a PCT and turn back on your natural production for four weeks, and then you go back on steroids again and shut it back off again, that's pointless. That's fucking stupid. That's why people do blasting and cruising. Why expose yourself to all those infertility drugs just to instantly shut it off again as soon as you stop taking them when you start your next cycle? It's dumb. Okay, so for people that have severe hypogonadism from steroids, there is a protocol of using 3,500 milligrams, sorry, IUs, 3,500 IUs to 10,000 IUs per week of HCG. For a period of three to six months, and if this um, protocol is followed, there has never been a case ever in medical literature of a bodybuilder or a man uh, using steroids for muscle building purposes who has not regained his fertility after doing that. So again, you know, they they'll come after you and say you're going to be this infertile simp for uh you know taking steroids because they don't want you taking steroids male hormones bad female hormones good but then they'll say you know the opposite you know with with females and be like oh that's like
1: basically impossible that never happens uh it's very rare
0: you know they they don't care about you they care about their agenda um Yeah, so if you're worried, you know, if you're really worried, if you're, if you're really worried about your fertility, and that's the main thing that's making you not take steroids is you're like, Oh, I don't want to become infertile. Well, this is what you should do is you should take HCG during your cycle. Um, HCG communicates directly with your testicles. It, you know, on a blood test, you'll see LH. That's what communicates with your testicles normally, um, LH, luteinizing hormone, and that's sending the signals, you know, create testosterone, create sperm. Um, and when you take steroids, you'll notice that on a blood test, your LH basically goes to zero because it's just not really functioning. Uh, your 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 feedback loop, that you know, what they call the HPTA, the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis, is shut off because you're injecting exogenous from the outside testosterone that's what exogenous means from the outside you're putting the hormones into your body from the outside they're not made inside inside is called endogenous when it's made from the inside if it's synthetic it's exogenous Uh, so what you can do is since that signal when you're using uh steroids is going to go off luteinizing hormone lh You can just inject the signal instead, and then your balls will never shrink. They'll never uh, stop producing much semen, um, and you will stay totally fertile while using the steroids if you take the HCG at the same time. Um, A good dosage is 250 IUs three times a week, or even twice a week, or 500 IUs, two or three times a week of HCG. If you do that while you're using steroids, your natural reproductive system will never shut off during your cycle. Your testicles and your sperm production, etc., will continue while you're using your steroids, okay? While you're doing your steroid cycle. So for you, somebody who's really concerned about that, you should probably use HCG whenever you use steroids. Okay, next question, Frank from Jersey. Hey, Dan, I've been consulting with you for two years now, and you've provided great advice each time we spoke. Uh, Last time we spoke was in March, and it was regarding my current blast. It's going great. I'm currently on testosterone, 1,500 milligrams per week. Anadrol, 100 milligrams per day. Winstrol, 50 milligrams per day. Anivar 50 milligrams per day, so he's on about 3,400 milligrams of steroids per week Human growth hormone six I use per day Three I use a.m. Three ius p.m. My question for the podcast is this I recently got a blood test and Everything came out good except for my cholesterol. This would be from the oral steroid use I was expecting this because I know orals fuck up lipid panels At what point is cholesterol so bad that a person should come off orals? I started the orals in mid June and expect to stop, um, September 1st. And he goes on to list his, his levels. Um, and, and yes, they're, they're definitely out of range, uh, for sure. You know, not, not just a little bit. They're significantly out of range. This is normal. Uh, and we discussed this at the beginning of the podcast. It depends on, you know, what kind of risks you're willing to take. And, and, you know, how much risk you're willing to expose yourself to, okay? So, it's when you use oral steroids, Trenbolone, you are going to have that happen whenever you use them. That's what happens. And so, it's not going to kill you, but it's going to create cumulative damage. And how much cumulative da- damage do you want to expose yourself to? You know, there's a difference between uh, smoking a cigarette um, at maybe once once a week, um, one cigarette. And so how many cigarettes is that? You know, like like 50-something 50, 50 cigarettes a, a year uh, versus smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and smoking thousands of cigarettes per year. You know, there's a difference. How much... Um, risk are you willing to expose yourself to or there could be another one you could say you know i don't smoke cigarettes but i i'm comfortable uh because because of health reasons i don't smoke cigarettes it just could be somebody talking but they could say but i smoke hookah you know occasionally you know i will go out to a bar with my friends and when i do that i'll smoke hookah okay and and so then again they are Putting them, you know, that's the level of risk that they're willing to expose themselves to. So this is a very individual question that he's asking. And when he shows his cholesterol and set, shows it's it's bad, and that he's using these steroids, and says, you know, at what point does a person is it so bad that a person should come off orals? What he's asking is, how much risk am I willing to expose myself to? Um, is is he is he he has, to, he has to go through this in his mind and, des- and decide um, how, how much he's willing to expose himself to. Uh, I would say that you know, somebody who's using oral steroids regularly for five to 10 years, it's going to add up. And it's going to add up as damage to your cardiovascular system. Same thing as somebody who's smoking regularly for five to 10 years. It's going to add up and it's going to add up to de- result in damage to their cardiovascular system. You have to decide how much risk you want to expose yourself to. So if that is with oral steroids, you could say, how, me- how many weeks or how many months out of the year am I willing to expose myself to this? And that's, that's basically the answer to your question. Uh, the next question is from Caleb. Hey, man, new listener, but very happy with the content question i'm looking into coming out of a day heavy winter bulk okay i don't know you're looking to come out of a heavy winter bulk looking and looking to lean up a bit it's the middle of summer <laughs> uh but uh cycled on and off for about five years 28 years old currently have test Enanthe anovar and lgd 4033 in your opinion what is the best way to stack cycle these products okay so you're overly fat right now than you want to be, and you you want to stop that, and you don't want to lose your muscle because you were bulking, and you want to keep that muscle. That, that was hard work doing your bulking. Okay, so what you have now is you have testosterone, anavar, primobolan, LGD. Uh, that's what what you you're planning to use, uh, and you want to cut off your body fat. Okay, uh, this. <laughs> Is really redundant, but you have to lose your body weight. Okay, uh, that so you've got to move your weight on the scale down. That's the first thing that you've got to know. Okay, when you want to lose your body fat, so you're talking about steroids, testosterone, Anavar, Primobolan. Those aren't going to help you more than a tiny bit in losing body fat. They will protect your muscles from going away from your body eating, catabolizing, destroying, breaking down and feeding on the tissue. That is the muscles. Okay. When you are on low calories, when you're on a cutting diet, when you're losing weight on the scale, your muscles will temporarily look much less full, much less round. And it will appear as if you've lost a great deal of muscle size. But when you, Carb up again, and you eat a large amount of carbohydrates for about two or three days. Or sometimes, usually two or three days. I was going to say sometimes a week, but it's more like two or three days. Um, then the muscle size will all of a sudden poop it, it comes right back. It comes right back because muscle fuel storage is such a huge part of bodybuilding. It's such a huge part of the bodybuilder look. Um, muscle fuel storage also brings water into the muscle cell and a hydrated fully fueled muscle i i mean it's roughly 50 percent of the size of the muscle the amount of difference that you can see in a bodybuilder's mus- a perceived or appearance muscle size is astronomical you know a lot of times you'll see these bodybuilders You'll see, you know, you might see guys on Instagram where you might see guys look, you know, even pro bodybuilders going into shows. And you'll see them looking, leading up to the show, leading up to the show, showing pictures. They'll be like, damn, this guy looks fucking sick. He looks fucking insane. And then you'll see him at the show and you'll be like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck happened? Like, 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 he looks like half the size. Like, he fucked up. He was looking great before. And now all of a sudden at the show, he is not looking good. You know, he didn't actually lose a lot of tissue. It's just that his uh, fluid balance inside of his muscle um, and his fuel storage inside of his muscle, he fucked up with that. And because of that, he looks nothing like he looked in the days leading up to it before he had done whatever crazy shit he did, uh, voodoo stuff, you know, to, to make himself look the best for the show. Uh, to get to, to get rid of his water really really if you want to if you want to get rid of water and uh, you you want to look your best you should just stop eating carbohydrates pretty much a hundred percent for 48 hours before you want to look your best and don't do any weight training either because once glycogen is inside the muscle it's locked in there it can't be Hold out if your body is hungry. Um, and when you stop consuming uh, carbohydrates, there is a massive decrease in water retention in your body and in your skin. And this takes about 48 hours to happen. And if you don't do any more weight training, which means that you won't be using up any of that locked in glycogen fuel storage and hydration inside the muscle, well then all of the Water that drains is going to be coming mostly from your skin and organs, and so if somebody uh, just eats only protein, or if they fast for some for about 48 hours, or you know they can even just eat protein and fat, uh, they'll notice uh, looking very good uh, when they wake up on that third day, especially after they then go and eat. They they eat the carbohydrates. You know you hear people say like burger and fries, this has a very good effect because of the salt too. And the, the fat helps to replenish the intramuscular fat stores as well, which makes the muscle look more round. Um, and you're, you're going to look very good like that because once you reintroduce the carbs, you won't, even if you do eat, you know, like bad foods or whatever for basically 24 hours it can be more it can be longer but it's basically about 24 hours you won't have any spillage effect where the uh where the water is then going into your skin it all just goes into your muscle it all will be trans transferred right into your muscles uh with the carbs that you ate and you, that that'll kind of like bring the the veins and the muscles full again um After you got rid of the water from not eating carbohydrates for about 48 hours. So doing something that is for sure going to make you look better. It doesn't have any voodoo and it's simple. Everybody can do it and it's not going to be some kind of really witch's spell that has a high probability of fucking up. This is a very basic way to look your best in three days. Um... But going back to the the diet, okay, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit in, in the last po- podcast. Um, if you're a normal guy who's like 200 pounds, 220 pounds, etc., you've got to have about 300 grams of protein per day. When should you be eating the most protein? When you're dieting, when you're losing weight to protect yourself from losing muscle and also to keep your blood sugar normal and to keep prevent you from going into hypoglycemia. Eating a high protein diet is very good in that. Um, but when somebody is bulking, what should they be really focusing on eating the most of? And you know, they really don't need as much protein. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that happens when you're bulking. You need carbohydrates when you're bulking. Carbohydrates make you the strongest. They make you have the most endurance. They make you the biggest. Um, for a number of reasons and your protein requirements aren't so high. So when you're starting your diet, uh, if you're like a normal guy like that, you need to start with a basis of about 300 grams protein and then you calculate your other macros from there based off of your metabolic rate. So you should just eat normal whole food protein sources, stuff like eggs, egg whites, chicken, beef, pork, Um, cottage cheese, uh, Greek yogurt. That is, uh, zero sugar type of, of Greek yogurt. And then there's going to be some fat that comes along with those, uh, protein sources, uh, ground Turkey, another one, many animal protein sources. Okay. And so you're not like trying to eat a lot of fat on your cutting diet. You're just taking the fat that comes with the animal source protein that you have, you know? So... Maybe you start out with 300 uh, grams of protein, there's something like 70 grams of fat that came along with those protein sources, and now you program your carbs and how many grams of carbs you're going to eat um, based on how much do you need in order to lose weight when you're eating those 300 grams of protein with the fat that came with the protein sources Now, the last thing that you do is program how many grams of carbs you eat and you raise or lower those while keeping the protein sources in and not changing them. You raise or lower the carbs and that is going to result in you maintaining your weight, gaining weight or losing weight. It's pretty simple. And you'll have to use the steroids when you're doing that in order to prevent you from not dropping muscle. So you have testosterone, you have Anovar and you have Premabolin. You know, you could do something like 750 milligrams of testosterone or 1,000 milligrams of testosterone. It depends on how big you are. Or, you know, even 1,500 milligrams of testosterone. Most guys aren't going to need that much, though, um, in order to keep their muscle on on a cut. I think 1,000 milligrams is is a really good uh, dosage. And then the Premobolin, you're going to need a minimum of a half a vial a week, so 500 milligrams. You could go up to 1,000 milligrams per week. Um, So if if you do anything like 1,000 milligrams of testosterone, 500 to 1,000 milligrams of premobolin, and then if you need to take the Anivar, you don't, but if you need to take the Anivar, you can put that in there, and you could do 50 milligrams a day, and some people are going to want to do more. They're going to want to do 100 milligrams per day, you know, whatever. I really don't think that that's even really that necessary, though. The, the, the premobullin and testosterone, that's going to lock your muscle in while you're dieting at, at sufficient dosages and keep your organ stress to a minimum and help you lose fat. All right, next question is from Greg. Dan, thanks for all the good info you've shared over the years. I bought your book, Ultimate Guide to Roids, early on, and I still reference it regularly. When you were using testosterone propionate, how long after injection did you experience peak blood levels i haven't pushed the dose high enough to pinpoint the peak but would really like to time my injections based on approximate peak blood levels yeah so you can go to steroidplotter.com and plug in whatever you're going to use your frequency of shots whatever and it will show you where the peaks happen after each shot okay you can also look up this information on the package inserts of pharmaceutical grade products, uh, which you can find online. So for example, Bayer Testovir and Testinanthate, they state correctly on the package insert that testosterone anthate peaks 24 hours after an injection. And then it remains elevated uh, for three to four days after an injection. And then it starts rapidly declining. And after about seven to 10 days, you know, it's very much lower than it was 24 hours after a shot. Okay? Uh, so that's testinanthate. Testosterone propionate peaks two hours after a shot. Two to three hours after a shot it peaks. And you can definitely feel that when you take a hundred milligram shot of testosterone propionate. You definitely feel it within several hours after taking it. It's a good thing. It's a good practice to take testosterone propionate in the mornings, particularly at night. A lot of times it can keep people up. It's very stimulating. It's kind of, Testosterone propionate has a much more potent mental feeling. Um, the speed at which something is released, you know, testosterone propionate, then it it goes up so fast like that in a couple hours. And then, you know, it's in your body for, uh, 48, 72 hours. But during that first 24 hours, 90% of it gets released. And then the other hours after that is just like a slow trickle of 10% or so. Um, And so you're getting this enormous rapid onset of testosterone. And that's why you feel it so potently like that. It makes your sex drive goes up. It makes you more aggressive, um, like socially more aggressive, um, athletically more aggressive, etc. It feels stimulating. Um, You feel like an espresso feeling uh, from it, energetic feeling. The rapid onset. Of a drug, how fast any kind of medication hits your system is how you perceive how strong that drug is. Okay, this is why recreational drug users they progress in what they do in, in their method of administration. You know, they may start out smoking um, heroin and they will end up intravenously injecting heroin. Uh, rapid onset is, is the reason for this. How fast does it hit your bloodstream? And that's why it feels stronger. Um, the, this is the method with, with a lot of drugs. Uh, you'll, you'll notice, if, if you've ever experienced two different forms of any kind of, of drug, something that you could take like orally versus something you could take by smoking, or injecting, um, the smoke or injected same dosage is always going to be stronger than the orally taken dosage. And the reason for that is rapid onset, how fast it hits your system. Rapid onset equals perceived effect. That's why testosterone propionate, even in low dosages compared to um, like testosterone enanthate feels much more in your face, and how ha- it almost feels like a different different substance because of how rapidly it's hitting you. It's like oh shit. Uh, anyways, that's a uh, onset time with propionate and and an explanation for why testosterone propionate feels so much different um, than enanthate. Um, Greg also asks. Have you ever experienced anxiety or shortness of breath from testosterone? Have you felt exhausted and lethargic from test? I feel great energy and clear deep breaths without anxiety after a dose, but it doesn't last. And if I continue to increase the dose, I end up exhausted. What are your thoughts? It's kind of hard to understand what you're saying because it's a question that is... You know, I'd need to ask you questions in, in order to understand exactly what you're saying. I would need to ask you more questions to get a feel for exactly what's going on. But I will say this as far as like taking a lot of steroids and being out of breath. Steroids absolutely brings your uh, cardio down. You know, I've said many times that athletes that are actually competing cannot be on large dosages of steroids while they're competing when they're training for the competition, they can be. Um, but when they want to perform their best, have their best athletic performance, when they want to, uh, have their best cardio performance, etc., they have to be on very minimal. If any anabolic steroids at that time and growth hormones, uh, why? Well, when you take steroids, it greatly increases the oxygen requirement of your muscles, and the muscles demand that oxygen. Um, they, all, they they must have it. And also, you get a pump in the muscle. Where does your oxygen come from? Well, you breathe it into your lungs, then it goes through the alveoli in your lungs um, and goes into the heart area and then gets pumped all through... Your your system in the blood so it's carried by the blood so if you are Getting if you're on a lot of steroids, and you're getting pumped easily and your muscles are swelling up and pooling with blood They're stealing your oxygen and your lungs are going to feel totally um, You're going to be very winded. Uh, You're not going to have sufficient full body circulating oxygen because it's all being pooled in your muscles. Your muscles are stealing your oxygen, you're getting pumps in your muscle. Uh, So people who are on cycle do not have the cardiovascular capability of someone who is not on cycle or of someone who's on very minimal dosages. Whenever you go on a steroid cycle, your cardiovascular performance will go down. Uh, It's a very strict rule. that's that's what i have to say about shortness of breath on steroids if you're taking um like especially if you're getting if you're the, if you're anabolic enough where you're getting like pumps in your feet or pumps in your ankles just walking around or like the arch of your foot from just walking around stuff like that where where you're like damn i'm, I'm freaking anabolic and when you feel like that you grow muscle like crazy and you get really strong but if you are getting like that, you're, you're, sh- you're going to be so short of breath, you're going to be totally out of breath, um, very hot, sweating, breathing hard all the time uh, because of taking too much steroids for athletics. There's a huge difference between what a bodybuilder takes for building muscle and for what somebody takes for athletic performance. If you want to perform as like a performance enhancement, not gaining muscle size and strength, but actually the steroids making you better at athletics. You're talking like 10 milligrams of D ball per day, maybe 15, like as low as five and like hundred milligrams of testosterone per day. Or you could be dealing with basically the same dosages of Winstrol or torinobal there. As far as performance, athletic performance enhancement, You're talking very small dosages, micro dosages. Uh, Very different than bodybuilding, powerlifting, strength sports. All right, next question. Seth asks, my wife is 39, 5'9, foot 9, 150 pounds. She's always been really trim with good muscle tone and good shape. She works out regularly lifting and cardio. In the last year, she's added 10 pounds that won't come off. Metabolism, slowing down and all that. She's stressed about it and willing to try out some chemical compounds to help with muscle tone and fat reduction. She's got a good diet, not perfect, but who is? She's got breast implants, so not worried about going flat with weight loss. Uh, Keep in mind, she's a mom with a life and is not looking to compete in a figure competition but wants to look really good in a swimsuit and her clothes. Is HGH the magic drug for women as well? What are the best compounds for women? What are safe dosages without risking virilization? Virilization means when a man or when a woman becomes uh, transsexualized. When a woman takes steroids, she becomes transsexualized. There are people on the internet, there are people on YouTube, there are people p- supplying uh, information, talking about, oh, a woman can avoid masculinization while using steroids. That is bullshit, okay? A man can avoid feminization when using estrogens. A man can can avoid feminization when using progesterone. Fucking give me a break. Get real. Fucking idiots. Okay, so if anyone, if you're listening to anyone that says something about, oh, women can take this steroid, women can take this male hormone and not become more masculine, women can take this hormone, male hormone, and not become more male-like, They don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Anavar within the first few days of use makes their clitoris grow. Okay. That is a very, it's something that people don't want to talk about for some reason. Okay. But it does that before it grows muscle and it also grows their pussy lips. Okay. Into a more scrotum text, uh, texture and structure. Okay. It masculinizes their external genitals. Okay, that's the first thing that it does before any of the muscle stuff. Okay, and they don't talk about it. They don't talk about there's a few people who have there's a few people, a few women who have come out and said, yeah, yeah, that that is the first thing that happens. Uh, But most most of them, you know, it's a very sensitive subject, you know, and, and, you know, they're hiding something. They're hiding something between their legs. Okay, Uh, it's a, a very, very very unflattering, very unflattering. Okay. And it's permanent. It's permanent. So just like gyno is permanent. You think you're going to start taking, you think you're going to start taking estrogen and be like, Oh yeah, yeah. I don't get gyno. No, it's the fucking first thing that happens. It's the first thing that happens. Even when you take testosterone for most guys, the first thing that, that happens when they start taking testosterone is they go, Oh, my nipples are burning. They're kind of like itching. That's the first thing that they notice before they notice like muscle gain and stuff. And it's like, oh, my testosterone's legit. My I feel estrogen in my nipples. Okay? So that's what women get in their private parts. Okay? The whole thing. The whole thing grows. If you must see what the, the end result is, look up Des- Denise Messino Pussy on Google Images. Okay? okay okay because that's the ultimate result okay that's not what everybody's getting that's not what everybody's getting when they first start but that's the ultimate result when you know it's been totally abused okay and you can uh you know as soon as any woman starts taking any steroids at all the first thing that happens is a start of what could ultimately end up like that okay it's not that that doesn't happen overnight okay but the growth and change of their private parts begins and it's the first thing that happens all right uh he also asks does anavar make women horny or is that fake yes it makes them horny you know when they have male hormones in their bodies they become horny uh male hormones make people horny that's why men are more horny than women um all right uh so getting back to your your question is hgh the magic drug what are the best compounds for women safe dosages there are no safe dosages when it comes to steroids uh what are some reasonable expectations for weight loss and muscle gain in women her age because you get everything she needs from an anti-aging clinic wow this is like really in depth so i'm gonna try to go over your question um as simply as possible HGH is good, but it's not the first drug that a woman should take who wants to lose weight. Most women who go to the gym, what they want to use for the results that they want, which is to look like less water attention. So like more toned, and they want to lose fat and they want to get a little bit stronger. Okay. What does that, Climbuterol does that and it's not a steroid. It has no male characteristics in it. It reduces water retention in your body. People on Climbuterol look leaner than when they're not on Climbuterol simply because of the fact that it is a diuretic and it makes water go out of your body the same way that coffee and, um, ephedrine do stimulants do this to you. But Climbuterol is pretty damn effective at it. It's more effective than ephedrine and caffeine for sure at reducing, uh, water retention in the skin. So that's a uh, there. Clenbuterol, what else does it do? Well, it makes you stronger the first fucking day you take it uh, because it increases the nervous system output that goes from your brain to your muscle motor units. So, Clenbuterol does make you stronger. And then also, Clenbuterol is also the strongest fat burner in the world. Okay? Um, Clenbuterol also makes you irritable, it gives you anxiety and it can also make you run around, uh, walk around feeling angry 24 hours a day. Those are side effects, including like little bits of shakiness. You don't need to use big dosages of Clenbuterol to get a good effect from it. 20 to 40 micrograms per day, which is the prescription dosage of it for asthma per day, will work great. You can start with 20 micrograms per day for two weeks, move up to 40 micrograms per day for two more weeks. If you really wanna keep going, you can do uh 60 micrograms per day for a final two weeks so like six weeks and then go off of it for two weeks that'll get your sensitivity back uh to the way it was before you started the clenbuterol and then uh you can do another clenbuterol cycle after that and uh that will be that will work very good so for a woman that you know what she wants in the gym is not to become a man you know especially when you know they're getting side effects like Oh my, pussy's growing. Well, that you know, when they first signed up for the gym, that was not what they fucking signed up for. Okay, They're, that that's really shitty. So, if you are a woman and you're wondering, you know, I want to use Peds. What should I use? What you're looking for is clonbuterol. And if you need more in addition to that, you need more firepower. You add other things that have no male characteristics in them, so that you're not turning yourself into a transsexual. Which is what hormone replacement therapy with male hormones is. Um, you know, somebody might say ten milligrams of anavar per day, so seventy milligrams of uh, of, of male hormones per week. Well, you know, transsexuals take hundred milligrams of testosterone per week for their transition. Okay, so you're basically doing the same thing. You know, while while testosterone is more virilizing than um, anavar, you you are turning yourself into a man. You're you're doing you're becoming a partial transsexual when you when you use steroids as a female. Uh, you're not going all the way, but you're you're definitely going towards that that direction. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. If you need more firepower, you can use human growth hormone with your climbuterol. You can use T42 which increases your metabolic rate makes it easier to burn fat, etc. With a growth hormone, you can use two to four IUs per day.
1: Split your shots morning and night. Love chatting with you guys. Love doing the one-hour phone call consultations with you guys and uh, the guys that do the uh, one-month daily text messaging with me where they uh, send me their bodybuilding questions and I answer their questions every day. Um, Love talking with you guys. Love it that you guys... Uh, like to listen to the steroid podcast so much. You guys like this, and uh, it's fun helping you guys. I, I can, you know, from from talking with you guys, uh, that's that's a big benefit for me. Is uh, um, you guys uh, having success and seeing that the information being supplied on the podcast is helping everybody out, helping because most people are good guys. They're not guys that want to scam people. They're not guys that want to uh, you know, take advantage of people. They don't want half truths. They just want the truth they just want stuff dished to them straight, you know. So that's what I'm doing. And obviously I'm under attack from from the you know, uh, from the people that that want to keep the secrets hidden, want to keep the truth hidden. And so uh you guys appreciating uh the podcast, seeing you guys get results from the podcast because I definitely see that. People send me their transformations before and after listening to the podcast, and it's absurd. You know, major, major body transformation. So it's very rewarding. Very rewarding. I like seeing you guys succeed. So uh, make sure to pick up Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Uh,
0: if you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast, Go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.